Praise the Lord, man. It is always so good to be together. Um, you know, I, I'm a, anybody else a questioner? I'm, I'm, I'm a questioner. Even good things I question. Right? And so I always, why am I here, Lord? Like, why am, why am I here right now? And I was a pastor. Like, I question the lights. I question the mic. I question the stage. Like, just always seek the Lord. God, why are we here? And all those things are, are good. They're they're. Um, but they're not, they're not why we're here. We're here for Jesus. We're here to be his bride, to be the church. And the Lord always reminds me of that. Don't get hung up on whether a church has lights or has a mic or, or even has a stage. It's, it, it really doesn't matter. But the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the people of God coming together. And what we get to do on a normal basis, whether it be here in bigger crowds, smaller crowds in, in homes, May it not, there's so many Christians around the world that don't get to do what we do. We're so, so blessed. And it's great to have you here this morning as we just dive into the Word of God with the people of God. This morning we're going to be in Matthew 10, verses 26 through 33. So read that with me and then we're going to pray and have some teaching. So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet none of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, Lord God, we come to you in Jesus' name. The name above all names which gives us access to the throne of God. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning as we just we sit in your word, your message to us. Father, we just take it in and, Spirit, have your way in us, produce a good fruit in us. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about fear. As in Matthew 10, 26 to 33, the first thing the Lord says is don't have fear. So we're going to talk about fear and worry. How many of you struggle sometimes with fear and worry? Almost everybody. In fact, if statistics are right, 60% of us on a daily basis have some crippling fear in our lives, that fear and anxiety from our paycheck to our children, to our lives, to our health, to the life after this life, 60% of us, and if, if you struggle with fear and anxiety, that's, that's, probably, that's probably actually a greater number than even the 60%, because if you struggle with fear, you're probably sometimes afraid to acknowledge that you struggle with fear. Fear is a big deal. And the Lord, as he's sending out the, the apostles to the Great Commission to do what we're also called to do, he says, you know, we've talked about this last week, I'm going to send you among the wolves. You're going to be a sheep among the wolves. 
And then his message for us is, don't be afraid. And understand that God knows that we're afraid. He gets it. I have a picture of one of the things that I, have, I am afraid of. I am afraid of small spaces. You might have thought, oh, is he afraid of people? No, um, sometimes. Um, small spaces, we're going to keep that up there for a second. This is about eight years ago. I'm giving a very cheesy smile. I'm the guy in the orange way, way in the back. Next to me is Clint Coyan. You guys, raise your hand if you remember him, right? That was before the beard. And um, he knows that I don't like small spaces. And we're uh, in a mission trip in Utah, and I'm in the back because I'm the first one in there thinking, I'm going to get in there and close the door. Just a few of us go up. We're supposed to go. But Clint invited everybody in, right? And Casey Quinn is holding the door, and um, he was actually jumping. If you know Casey Quinn, he's not a small man, okay? Fear. Okay, we can put that back. Some of our, our, our fears might even seem silly to other people, but they're legit. And you need people in your life that understand your fear. Like my, my brother Clint, he, he knows, like, oh, man, I don't like small spaces. And he'd always respect me in those, but also push my limits because he knows that I need them, like, being called to, like, to do missions. I, and you have to fly places. I don't like being in planes. People like, you afraid to die? No, I'm afraid of this small space. I don't like it. But we can't be crippled with fear, can we? So the Lord understands our fears. He's not there making fun of you because of it. He's not going to ridicule you. He's not going to push you off the cliff. All throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, someone sees an angel of the Lord, the first thing, don't be afraid. God understands he's a big deal. God understands that we live in a dangerous world. He gets it. He doesn't want you to be afraid, though. He doesn't want you to live in a constant fear and anxious spirit. We're going to talk about five things today of just to help us for all the many hands that say, you know what, I struggle with some weird worry and some fear. And it gets in the way of life. It gets in the way of hope. It gets in the way of joy. The first thing that we need to be reminded, because God doesn't want us to stay in the safe places. We look at the apostles. He's like, guess what? You're sheep, and sheep are going to go hang out with wolves. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. That kind of scares me. God gets that. But the first thing that we must understand, and he tells the apostles, I'm going to be with you. Do we understand that? Like the Lord, he prepares a table right in the midst of our enemies. Not away from them, right in the midst. But he says, guess what? I'm at that table too. So the first thing we want to look at is that the Lord is with us. I want to look at some passages that remind us of that. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then that Psalms 23, 4, that's, that's where the Lord is also preparing a, a table among your enemies. But guess who's across from that table? Jesus. So right in the fear, right in the worry, right in the danger, God's like, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. Psalms 27, 1, the Lord 
is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Why, why should our fears be dismantled? Because as a believer, do you know who walks with you? The one who defeated death. The one that has always been, who always will be, the Alpha and the Omega. He walks with you closer than a brother. If you are saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't let the enemy fool you. He goes into those small places with you. Number two, the Lord fights our battles. The Lord fights our battles. Deuteronomy 3.22. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Hebrews 13.6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? God is with you. And he's doing the work before you. We talked last week about this analogy of sheep and wolves. I'm like, I am not raising my children to be sheep, right? I don't look at my nine-year-old son as he's going to be a warrior for the Lord. Go, son, today you're a sheep, right? Right? I'm like, son, you're going to be big, bad, and tough. And how much of, the, of God's word am I dismantling in my own son? Like, no, actually, Jesus said that you'd turn the other cheek. Jesus said you'd be the least... Jesus said that you'd walk in meekness. And why does God do that? So you can be just taken out? No. Because when we are weak, he is strong. And in our ways, and I would say this in, in the Western world, and especially as a man, I just, how many mistakes I've made because I am strong enough. I can do it all. Right? And God says, don't be afraid because I'm with you. But number two, guess who fights your battles? God. Don't live a day that doesn't need God to show up, that doesn't need God to give you strength to fight the battles that you cannot see. Your job is to submit, to be that sheep that submits to the shepherd. Amen? Some of us are dealing with fear and crippling anxiety, and I've, and I've dealt with that in my life. Because you're trying to do it all. You're trying to be the mighty lion, the wolf, right? That predator, that, that strong thing. I gotta say, actually, you just need to be the sheep and let me do the battle for you. He's walking faith. Philip Yancey says this I've learned that faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. As we trust the Lord, like fear is a big deal. And there's a mind over matter thing that happens in faith. But many times as I look at things that God has done in my own life or in the church, like hindsight truly is 2020, where the Lord is like telling us to step out in these new things in this part of faith. And many times as you look back, you realize how much God has done. But we want to live in a way that says, God, show me everything that will happen and give me all this concrete understanding, and then I'll step out. Well, how many of us know that's not faith? It's just not how it works out. 
from your marriage to your finances to your kids to your dreams. We must look at the Word of God and the Spirit of God knowing that He is with us. He fights our battles and He goes before us and we must trust Him. Fear. As we look at fear, there's this understanding where God is saying, like, don't be afraid and don't be afraid of them. God actually says, be afraid of me. Now, this might burst your bubble, depending on how you grew up. And this might even be a stretch for some of us, right? Depending on how maybe you were raised by your father or how you, how, how you maybe were raised in church, right? Some of us, and what we'll talk about that is there's an extreme fear of God that is unhealthy because we forget how loving he is. But then there's a lack of reverence. But Jesus, that's one of the reasons why we're going through the gospel of Matthew, because Jesus has some hard things. Jesus just isn't this guy in the sky that just does all that I want, right? We are made in his image. He is not made in our image. And so the Lord says some really difficult things like, don't be afraid of them, be afraid of me. And we're like, whoa. He's talking about reverence. Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, if you have, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Right? Do not take the fact that Jesus died on the cross for granted. Yeah, he saved my sins. Was, you know, yeah. I was going to this really bad place, and he, he took it from me. Like, not, not a big deal. No, it's a big deal. Paul, Paul says, Philippians, they work it out with fear and trembling and, and to have honor for it. It's to have honor for the God Almighty. Like the more that we spend time with Jesus, we realize how loving he is, but also like how magnificent he is. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise Wisdom and discipline. So God says this really hard thing for us. Like, don't be afraid of them. And his understanding is like, man, why would you be afraid of them? Because they can't do anything. I can do it all. Like, I can take away your body and your soul. I don't think there are, I think there's times in our, in the United States, in our freedom that we have in God, that we don't understand his sovereignty. Right? It's, why, it's why we mess around with sin so much. Because we don't believe everything the Bible says about the cost and the weight of sin. And if we don't understand that, then will we truly understand how the good news is such good news? In the eastern part of the world, especially 2,000 years ago, they believed in the weight of sin. This is why the gospel was such good news. Because they're like, so there's a way out of this destruction there's a way out of this condemnation, and God said, yes, it's through my son, Jesus. And we as believers don't take that for granted. We walk in reverence. And there's a movement in the world right now saying, man, don't fear God. I don't fear God the way I would like a horror movie or something like that, but understanding the reverence, right? He's not to be messed with. But he is good. The fourth thing we want to talk about in fear is misplaced fear. 
So for some of us today, we need to hear this message of like, man, God's a big deal. So much that Moses took off his sandals because he was on holy ground. God is not less holy because of what Jesus did on the cross. In fact, we're invited to a greater understanding of his holiness. But for some of us, maybe we were raised in a way where there's a misplaced fear. You're constantly looking, and especially when we're talking about fear and anxiety, is like God, like, every, like, every, like almost everyone raised their hand of like some fear and anxiety. And like God is now out just to just stomp you for it. That's not the God we serve. Have reverence, but understand that that can be a misplaced fear as well. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who, is, who fears is not made perfect in love. And first, John is reminding the church of like, we we come to the Lord at first understanding we need salvation. But in an invitation, yes, there is reverence for God. But then you realize this access, how good he is. How many understand that the things that God warns us not to do in the Bible, fear will only keep you so far away from it. But when you actually believe he is good, he is for you, and everything he tells you not to touch will kill you, and he tells you not to do that, not because he's trying to keep good stuff away from you, but because he loves you. And as you fall in love with the Lord, then you come to this place where love conquers fear. And love is a, is a better invitation than fear. Romans 2.4 explains it this. And in Romans 2, talking about the judgment that we put on people, right? When we're like, oh, man, just like, man, that person's in sin. Let's just cast down on them. Let's just make them feel worse about themselves. Well, Romans 2.4 says, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? I believe in a sovereign God who I do not take lightly. The fact that he could just do whatever he wants to me, it gets my attention. But he is good, and his kindness leads us to repentance. So God's telling them here in, in Matthew 10, like, man, why are you afraid of the world? You should be more afraid of me. But in that same passage, he's saying, you're more precious than the birds of the air. Who not one, not one falls without the will of the Father, but you're more precious than them. God says, man, I am more powerful than the world. So if you're to be afraid of anyone, be afraid of God. But we know because of the invitation of Christ, how good he is. And I'd say this too, if you're in your life right now, struggling with sin and condemnation, sin's a big deal. And there comes a time when you got to understand, man, when I touch that, and it's going to kill me. And there's some Band-Aids things with slaps on the wrist, like the wage of sin is death. That, that's a big deal, and it's all true. But there's nothing more powerful for con conquering sin than knowing the love of your Father. And I've had some times in my life, 
years ago where just some, like addiction stuff was just not going away and just not going away. And it was just like, God loves me, God hates me, God loves me, God hates me. And then there came a time, and even in God's sovereignty and discipline for me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I love you, and this is why you're going through this. And when you really understand how much I love you, you will find victory over this stuff. Because when you know how much God loves you, the enemy can't lie to you any longer. So Jesus, he's, 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 he's put it out there like, man, sheep among the wolves, they cast some stuff they can do to you, but don't be afraid of them. You should be afraid of me. Let's have fear and reverence for God that leads us to know how good God is. Amen. And the fifth thing, when we're looking at fear and worry, is that we understand that God is in control. God is in control. Matthew 6, 25 to 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than the food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Man, and again, you see in Matthew 10, it's going back to Matthew 6. God is using that, that analogy of birds. I was actually watching, as it was storming earlier this week, and I was sitting in my car waiting for one of my kids at one of the sports events. And sitting there watching as I'm like huddled in my car, and these birds are just flying around like with a care in the world. Yes, I'm a bird watcher. And then, like, God just started speaking. I'm like, man, like, they're not worried about anything. Like, they're just around just doing their thing. The storm going around. And there's woo, woo. How silly we are sometimes. Like, I believe in retirement plans. I believe in having some money in the bank and being a good steward of those things. But there's something in the United States that we don't understand. Again, we're so crippled. By fear. And we say we trust God, but not God to come and do what he did again and again and again. See, God doesn't run out of love for us. He doesn't run out of grace for us. And he definitely doesn't run out of provision for us. Right? People are freaking out because of food prices and gas prices. Right? And it's okay. Like, I like, went on a tirade. Right, as we're looking at these things and trying to get plane tickets to Ecuador, like three times the price. I was not a happy camper. Right? Two days late two days before that, I'm like, oh, don't worry about gas prices, don't worry about this stuff. And then I'm looking for, for prices for plane tickets, and I'm like, who voted these people into office? Like, what is going on here? Right? I'm I'm like mad, and I'm like, oh, he's still the same God as he was two days ago. And I started having a house church pray, like, let's pray. So having the staff pray, like, I know this is this economics, but hey, we can still pray. And then literally the next day, like, travel agent got us, I mean, we were searching for like 10 days. Like, like okay, like, looking, looking, and like, back to the prices they needed to be. Some can say, well, it's just, a, uh, it's just a coincidence. No, it's the power of our God. There's things that are, like, there's nothing that's not too big that you can't pray for. There's nothing that's not too small. Like, let's be praying for these things. But then let's also have an eternal perspective 
Is it okay as you're trying to feed your children to worry about, like, to, to, to like, notice the gas prices and to notice the, yes. That's called being human, but don't be crippled by them. Amen? And there's this promise in here that, I mean, who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? It's good to be a good steward of your finances, of your health. But some of us are so crippled with fear, we're waiting to live one day when we feel like it's safe enough to live. And what we're saying is, well, well God, when I, when, when I don't need faith any longer, when I don't need faith any longer, then I'll really trust you. And that's not how faith works. John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. I'm going to tell you where you find the peace of God is through the Spirit of God. You just sit in His presence. Just sit in His presence. His Word, His Spirit, and let Him change. You can't, you can't not worry yourself. But you spend time with your God, with your King. He can change your heart. So don't be afraid, friends. Number two, what we want to look at today is that faith can't stay silent. Faith cannot stay silent. We're going to look at verses 32 and 33. And Jesus says this very hard, hard thing. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven heaven. Now, this is the part of the passage that we just need, like, oh, 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 like, stop. And we need the Spirit of God. We need the Word of God. We need good theology when we look at this. Because some of us, maybe we don't take this passage serious enough. We go, whoa, Jesus is, like, he's saying a pretty profound thing here. Some of us here need to take out the spirit of religion when we look at this. Because we're like, okay, if I tell enough people and I make sure that I'm always just, just up front and telling everyone about the Lord and just like, hey, I'm a Christian, hey, I'm a Christian, and I get the sticker on the back of my car and I wear the T-shirts and I do all this stuff, then maybe I'll be saved. Right? That religious spirit of trying to save yourself, right? I'm right there with you, right? I'm the person that's, but that, that's not how to look at this passage. But we do have to understand that God is serious about the fact that we can't stay silent. Right? In the world, they tell us don't talk about money, religion, or politics. Right? I talk about all three. Right? I always have. I'm like, oh, geez, don't, don't you know you're not supposed to? Like, well, just. Right? We can't not talk about important things. And all those things are important. We have a mission to let our light shine before men. And that light is the light of Jesus. But we got to be careful, and we're looking at this passage where Jesus says, man, if you, if, if you, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my Father in heaven. Like, we have to really stop here, take it serious, but not turn it into this religious thing of fear that cripples us. Or now we think we can try to muster up enough courage to save ourselves. That's called works. Works do not save you. There's a great person in the Bible who denied Jesus, and we all get to read about it. His name is the Apostle Peter. And we see where he denies Jesus at Jesus' greatest moment at his death and his crucifixion. And Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter was always the guy like, Jesus, I got your back. Jesus, 
I want the front seat. Jesus, I'm your guy. And then right before Jesus is going to leave them, he says, Peter, actually, you're going to deny me three times before men. And he's like, never. But we see that's not true in Matthew 26, 69 to 75. And read that with me. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You, were, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, Jesus, he, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out of the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself and swore to them, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I get emotional like reading this, thinking like the apostle, like, God, I love you. I love you. And he's like, but actually you're going to deny me three times. Three times at my greatest need. And here is the rock of the church, the leader of the church that we know later on in the book of Acts is going to stand before the people of God and say, you need Jesus. But he went through this very open denial of Christ. Belief is important, my friends. The fact that we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. This word believe that we see in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. This word believe. The Gospel of John, it comes up 90 times. In the book of Acts, it comes up 40 times. It means to be convinced of something or trust or to rely upon. So when someone says, just give me Jesus, it's all about, that's what they're talking about. I am trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, for my very life, and for eternity. And some of us, I think in the Western world, we believe in maybe the gospel the way we believe that maybe our favorite team might win their next game. I think it's true. There's a difference when you, like, no, no, man, I'm, there's, there's no plan B. Like that word belief, and really I think it's that thing between you and God where you just, he knows what you don't know, right? He, he knows what I don't know about you, I guess is what I'm saying. Like he understands your heart and what you, like, and it's important that we come to that place that God can give us an invitation to and does where he changes our heart. Like I believe this belief is an important thing. When you think about the first lie in the garden, what was Satan's lie? What was the serpent's lie? Did God really say? God's word said, do not, you can have everything in the garden, but not this one thing, because it will surely kill you. And Satan comes in as a serpent, and he says, did God really say that? God's word will always be questioned by the world and by the enemy. That's why belief is so important. And we, when you think about it, God's word says one thing now in the Bible, but the world says another. So why belief is such an important thing. The Bible says that all followers of Jesus now have the Holy Spirit. And when we we'll look at this, this understanding of it, that faith can't stay silent. See, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You've been 
bought by the blood of the Lamb. And therefore, there is this invitation for us to now have the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit who speaks to, the same Holy Spirit that talked to the apostles, like, I'm going to give you words to say. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to do these great things among you. Like, the Holy Spirit isn't just this guy that sits on my left and says, yeah, maybe you shouldn't go have Burger King today. Or, you know, make good choices. Like, he's not just this conscious thing, right? It's bigger than that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And guess what? This is the beautiful thing about not staying silent. The Holy Spirit that is in you will not stay silent about Jesus and his kingdom. He just won't. And so there's got to be a wrestling with us when we're like so comfortable with being silent about the one who saved us. And I don't think you can muster up courage. I don't think you can just be more disciplined, but you can spend more time with Jesus and watch what the Holy Spirit does. Because the Holy Spirit is crazy about Jesus. Amen? And so we look at the Apostle Peter. He's the great apostle. And we get to see his downfall right there. But then in John 21, verse 15 and 19, we get to see what Jesus is talking about. So this is after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus has showed himself to a few of them, but then he keeps going away. And this is where we have the walk to Emmaus, and they're like on the third day, his tomb is empty, but we don't know where he's at. He started showing himself first to the women, then some of them, and then he disappeared. But he's gone. They don't know what's going on, and they just go back to what they did before, which for most of them was fishing. And Jesus finds them here, and he reinstates Peter. Read that with me. John 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and when you, you went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Would Jesus tell him to come back to, to faith and obedience? And I believe as God saw it was going to happen before it happened, that Peter had to go through this denial of him. And there's many times that we have denied Jesus among lost people. Does that mean that you're not saved? No. But take it serious. It's what Jesus tells us about Peter. But then he also shows this very intimate thing, this conversation with this headstrong man, he's the first to say, I love you. And Jesus, three times, you sure you love me? Then feed my sheep. Sure you love me? Then feed my sheep. And the third time in Bible, let's just, like, Peter was hurt by this. Like, he's that passionate guy that's like literally would do anything for Jesus. But yet, just moments ago, he was denying Jesus. 
And the Lord reinstates him. And here's what he's saying. And he loved me and feed my sheep. Ask yourself this, and this is something just to wrestle with. If Jesus is who the Bible says he is, why would you be afraid to acknowledge him before the world? Some of us, it's fear. Some of us, it's doubt. Some of us, it's insecurity. Some of us, and this is what I struggle with probably the most, is just sometimes indifference. I'm around a lot of saved people. I get really comfortable, and I just get indifferent about people's pain. Like understanding, like I've been saved for a long time, and I forget the pain that the world has, especially without Jesus. But I'm reminded, and you're reminded today, if I love the Lord, then by the grace of God, then by the Spirit of God, then I will feed his sheep. And that's what our life will all be about. Ask yourself this morning, in what ways do you disown our Savior? I love this quote. It won't be up there, but just listen to it. It's by Brendan Manning, who wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. And he says, and this is if you're grew up in the 90s with DC Talk, you'd, you'll know this quote. How many old people? This is the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. And that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And there's just, there, there, again, not having someone like, are you saved? But it is something to look at me. If I'm saved, then, then I have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's not going to stay silent. How am I so, like, how e- why is it so easy to stay silent? I remember years ago, and 19 years old, and on a football team in, in college, and this guy starts talking about sleeping with girls and just that lifestyle. And then it's like, well, you know, I'm sure you're sleeping with lots of girls. And I'm like, and I wasn't for many reasons. And I'm like, no. Uh, or I, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 tons, <laughs> tons. And uh, I'm like, ooh, got to wait that one. He thinks I'm awesome, and he's just going to walk away. And the Holy Spirit started prompting me. He's like, you need to speak up. I'm like, no, I don't. No, I don't, God. I don't need to speak up right now. No, you need to speak up right now. Like, this isn't, like, no, I don't. It would have been way different if I just would have admitted some things in the beginning, but now I lied. <laughs> and I got to admit that I'm a liar. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit just wouldn't be quiet. And I'd stop this guy, and I'm like, hey, man, listen. Actually, I'm not sleeping with tons of girls because I believe the Bible tells me that I shouldn't be because I'm not married. And he's like, whoa. He's like, I've never met someone that believes that. I'm like, well, I do. I do. And I shouldn't have lied, and I'm sorry. There's many ways that we deny Jesus. But the Holy Spirit doesn't stop speaking to us. For the love of God and the Spirit of God. Matthew 25, 35 to 36. If you want to look like there's one of the passages that talk about how the church can deny who God is and start our daily lifestyle. It says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Like, this is the least of these. Raise your hand if you've heard this passage before. 
Like this is like Jesus in the last days saying that my, the body of Christ will care about these things. And he looks at one group and he says, man, I knew you because you were doing these things. And another group, he said, you said you knew me, but you didn't care about the one that was hungry or thirsty or strangers who needed food and clothes, the sick who needed help and those in prison and all those who need Jesus. Like that is an important thing that we would look at, and that may, I don't know about you, that stops me in my tracks as a believer and as a pastor, like, whoa, we need to take this serious. There's two ways to look at this passage, and I believe both are correct. The one is just the obvious, like those that are thirsty, those that are hungry, those that are in prison, those that are sick. But another way, and you look at theologians, look at, Jesus is talking about those that are in prison because of the gospel. Those are... The, sick because they live in places with no resources to help them out. Those that right now are being persecuted are put to death because of the gospel. And I believe it's both. I need like, a, like that we would care about the orphan and the widow and those sick and those hurting and those in prison. We say, you know, I'm going to be hands and feet of Jesus. But there's another side to it too. In the West, we are so comfortable. Like we complain about food and gas prices. Other people complain that their whole family got wiped out because they wouldn't deny Christ. Statistics say that one Christian dies for their faith in Jesus every six minutes. Another statistic says one in seven believers around the world will suffer significant persecution for their faith. In 2021, 16 believers a day died for their faith in Jesus. And you're going to find just some, some different extremes if you, if you even just do some research on it. And the reason why is because the news media doesn't always tell us when Christians die for their faith. Like right now in the Ukraine, people are being, going through really hard stuff. And if they're a believer, it's even harder. Right, there are people with an atheist mindset that have said, man, we've been watching you. Now we have the power to do something about it. And one of the things when we look at the least of these and we look at like denying Jesus, sometimes in the West we get so comfortable. We forget that that's not how the rest of the world lives. They live without food. They live without finances. And for their faith, they don't have the freedom that we have. This denying Jesus is a big thing. And for some of us, and I struggle with this, it's just our indifference. I don't think I've lost much sleep because of the persecuted. And I just confess that. And preparing for this message, the Lord's like, man, man, it's okay to come to me with all your worry and all your fear. But the reason why you worry and fear is because your heart sometimes is in the wrong place. C.S. Lewis said this. You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood become a matter of life and death to you. And so what we're supposed to be reminded of today, and it's found in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
And let's close this message just reminding, man, tell people about the good news of the gospel. Live a life that has been changed by Jesus. It really is the good news, and it's the best. Make the choice today. So, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to let you use my life in whatever way. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't stop moving. The Holy Spirit, I promise you, will give you a day tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. And when our hearts are walking with Jesus, I'm like, that's an opening to tell someone about the Lord. That's an opening that, that maybe someone is just seeing that I'm being kind to my kids and being patient. Maybe your neighbor is going to see, like, you know what? I'm not worried about stuff. I care. I care that things are changing. I care who's in leadership. But that's not my king. King Jesus is. Because the spirit never stops moving. So three questions as we close. And one, is fear and worry standing in the way of your belief? I think this is a point where you just have to be, like, real before the Lord. Like, if you're one of those people, raise your hands. Or if you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of that 60% easily. Like, every day I start with worry, I end with worry. I just worry, worry, worry. Right? There's times in my life I, I, I could raise my hand. Other times, like, you know what, I think I'm okay. Today. I, I'm in a good season. Right? If you're in that season, like, let people pray for you in the back. Let people pray for you in the front. They say, man, I don't want worry to consume my mind. Like, some of it is are crippled by that spirit of fear. And the way that we combat that is by the spirit of God and the word of God. Second question, do you believe in the words of the Father? Everything that the Bible says, do you believe them? Like, I'm convinced one of the things we don't do enough as believers is just dive into the Word of God. There's 66 books and letters that make up our Old and New Testament canon. That's a lot. That's a lot. And we believe they're supernatural texts. And I have read the Bible most of my life. And God still brings up stuff. I'm like, hmm, I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how I missed that one. Like, I preached the Bible, and God's like, wow. Do you read it enough to believe in it? Like, think about, and this would have been, like, you know, for some of us, I'm going to have to explain some things. There was a time when people wrote these things called letters on this thing called paper with these things. We don't have any up here. Pen or a pencil. Young people Right? You'll just, like, there was a time when people would write you a letter rather than email, and you know what I'm talking about. If it was from someone that you loved, you would just read it and read it. Anybody? Right? Right? Sometimes, right, your girlfriend really put some perfume on that or things like that. Like, I can think of some things that, like letters that Jessica gave me that I just like, read and read and read and read. Do we read the Word of God to know the Word of God? Right? Do you believe in the words of the Father? And then lastly, um, I believe this is a choice that we have. What do you need to let go of so you can hold on to Jesus? And the Lord is telling us today, we want to live comfortable lives. We want to live safe lives. But that's not the life that he's called us to. But to be lived by the Spirit. And as United States Americans, we are free because we have a mission. We have, like, let's not take our freedom for granted. Let's not just live these safe lives. 
But let's live for Jesus, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like for the Spirit of God. But to do that, we have to let go of our, like, what, what, what we think life looks like. And so I said, God, whatever you, man, you want me to go to China, I'm going. You want me to stay here in Missouri and raise a family and show people the love of Jesus, I'm there. Like, whatever the Lord would do. There's a man, I'm letting go of those things, and I'm holding on to the things of God. If you can stand with me, we're going to close in prayer. There's communion in the back, just like we have every week. And we encourage you guys to, that can, to take that and take those elements. There are also people in the back that would love to just pray with you. Like so many hands that were raised for like, man, I struggle with worry. Like, have people praying for you. Like, literally worry. Worry will take years off of your life, and you don't have to live that way. Anxiety doesn't have to be the voice in your life for your finances, for your family, for all the things. Like God wants to use your life. Trust him. The spirit will lead you. Let us pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you. For you are good and you are true. Your word will not come back void in our lives. We believe that. And Father, we look at this very, very beautiful but difficult passage that says we're not to deny you before men. And may we not look at this with a religious spirit. May we look at this with the confidence that Jesus is king and that we would take this passage serious. With reverence, but also with love. That we wouldn't tell people about the gospel because we're, we're afraid. Although that's what this passage tells us. But your word also tells us that your love has brought us to repentance. Your, your message to the apostle Peter was, did you love me? And Peter said, yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Would love abound in such a way that we would not stay silent? Holy Spirit, would you abound in such a way in our lives that we cannot, we should not, and we will not be silent? Holy Spirit, lead your people today. Transform our hearts and our minds. Let the spirit of evangelism go before us. For the world needs the good news of the gospel.